Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and I'm here as always with my friend Evan Etheridge. Evan, how are you doing on this Sunday night? Pretty good, man. After a long day of football, um, just look kind of looking back at the week. We had a, you know, kind of an up and down week, but uh, yeah, we got a lot of talk to lo- a lot to talk about um, with the Braves and uh, and with the Falcons today. Yeah, we sure do. Braves had a good bit of news this week, and the Falcons lay their first egg of the season. Uh, we can jump right into it now. They lose twenty to six in Detroit to the Lions. Really just an absolute snoozer of a game all around. One of the worst games on this Sunday throughout the entire NFL. And that and I'm saying that uh with a team scored 70 points and won by 50 in this game felt even like worse to watch than that. I guess it's fun if you're a Dolphins fan for that one. But yeah, this was a stinker. Falcons did not play well at all, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defense had some uh some pretty good moments at times, but also struggled a little bit in the first half. But overall put up a pretty solid effort throughout the entire game. Um, yeah, big takeaways from this is the Falcons just could not run the football. And if you pay attention to the Falcons the past couple of years, they have to run the football to be successful. And if they can't do that, and if Drake London, or not Drake London, Desmond Ritter is having trouble throwing the football also on top of that, uh, you're in for a long day. And that's exactly what this was. So what were your thoughts just overall on how things went down here? Yeah, I mean, you wrapped up everything perfectly. Falcons could not run the ball. Um, and then and then they kind of dug themselves a hole um, and, and just could not get anything going on offense. I mean, um, you know, second half defense played really well, um, you know, like four straight stops and the offense could not get on the board at all. Um, offensive line was, you know, pretty bad. Ritter was running all day. Um, and, and, and when you're, you know, 17 down, you can't run the ball. Um, so. You know, we, we really just got out of our comfort zone uh, of running the ball and, and controlling the game flow. But, um, you know, that, that that that's just what happens. Um, and, and like you said, we were we were due for one of these games. Uh, the lines are good. Um, but, yeah, this one kind of sucked. This, this one kind of hurt because, um, you know, you, we definitely could have got back in it. And it's just drive after drive. The offense was just not producing anything. Yeah, for sure. I mean. The Lions are a good team, so you got to give them some credit. They had a really good game defensively. They were ready to face this Falcons offense, and they I think they executed the game plan as well as they could have. I mean, Falcons with two field goals, you'll take that all day if you're Detroit. And, uh, yeah, just looking at these stats, man, it's just, just the balance the Falcons do not want. Ritter throwing the ball 38 times in comparison to 20 rushing attempts total. is That's not what they want um, at all. And you, that's just a byproduct of getting down – and having to throw the ball, try to get back in it, and Ritter just to not uh, not come to task at all to come back in this game. He had a few bad throws, um, just missing guys, had guys that were pretty open and just were overthrowing them. He just did not look sharp at all today. Um, as far as the running backs go individually, Bijan was not uh, Bijan today. He was not as electric as he was in the first two weeks. He went 10 carries for 33 yards, and then um, – catching the ball he had four catches but for only 27 so he just didn't have as much juice today and part of that is he's facing uh the best defense that we faced so far this year 
Um, you know, the Lions have their defense and Packers and Panthers and uh, Algier, nothing going for him either. Seven carries for 12 yards. And um, yeah, if those two guys are combining for 17 carries and 45 yards, you're in for a long day. And it's exactly what it was. Uh, receivers, Pitts, actually leading receiver. Him and Johnny Smith actually had uh, tied with five carries for most of the team or five five receptions. And uh, Pitts with 41 yards, Johnny with 37 I guess they were solid. I mean, they targeted Kyle Pitts nine times. I guess that's like the biggest positive from this game besides maybe the defense um, is that they were getting him involved in Johnny with eight targets too. So I guess Ritter was trying to find his tight ends. He found them sometimes, but you know, the, the wide receivers themselves were bad. London only had two catches for 31 yards. Hollins had one catch on four targets. Um, so yeah, this, this just did not go at all how they wanted to go on offense. It was just bad, you know, coup, made two field goals and you missed one too. That's all they really got going. And um, yeah, it was just a struggle. And like, <laughs> there's not a ton to talk about these past two weeks with the Packers and Panthers games. We, you know, those games had a lot of things going on and a lot of interesting things. And then this game just did not have that at all. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, if you, uh, yeah. I don't, like if you want to try to find something that you're interested in with this one, go ahead. But I mean, it's just, um, this was, this was a, this was a snooze fest. Yeah, absolute snooze fest. We just couldn't get anything going. Um, you know, uh, yeah, looking at the first half stats, um, we were one for six on third down conversions. Um, we only had twenty rushing yards, and I think I think Bijan had like two rushing yard, two rushing attempts in the first quarter. Um, you know, through three drives, you know, we just we just got in the hole and um, really straight away from the run game, and uh, yeah, Lions played. You know, you know, props to them. They came. They came to play today. The seven sacks, seven pass breakups, um, you know, eleven tackles for loss. So they were getting in the backfield almost every play. Um, and man, like, I don't know. We just got dominated right on the right in the trenches on on, on the line. And uh, you know, that's just really how it went. Um, not not many positives, like you said. Um, I think I think the defense really held it together in the second half. But once again, this comes back to the offense. Um, you know, the defense was not the problem today. And I think that's my biggest takeaway is, uh, you know, we got to, we got to get, got to get things rolling on offense a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I want to see, I want to see Ritter, um, you know, improve. He, he's got to take a, he's got to take a leap. Um, I don't know. I mean, shout out Jesse Bates. I think, uh, you know, he had an interception, so yeah, he really was that was he was good. That that was it. It was good to see Okuda back. Um, yeah, you know, I I know Amon Ra really went off today, um, but but he was in the slot mostly. So, um, you know, I, I thought Okuda played fine, and um, you know, Jesse Bates played fine as well. But uh, yeah, just just super tough game. I mean, like I said, not much to talk about. We just it really isn't. It's we just got handled. <laughs> yeah. We did, and um. Yeah, I mean, defensively, Jesse Bates led the team in tackles, um, and he had the pick, so he he played well. And uh, yeah, Falcons Falcons had zero sacks today. They could not get any pressure on Goff. He kind of could do whatever he wanted. And uh, on the other side of the ball, the Lions were getting tons of pressure on Ritter, and he was not handling that pressure well at all. So um, yeah, when that when that happens, it's just uh, it's a tough formula to win when you're just getting dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides, and. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a tough game. You know, it was kind of a test for Ritter to see um, if he could 
play from behind some more. I mean, I know they played from behind last week against the Packers and he, he played pretty well. But, um, you know, this game, they were down by 10 at halftime. So he had a whole second half to play from behind and see how he looked. And it was just rough, man. It was rough. I think it might be his worst game in the NFL so far, honestly. Um, didn't throw any picks. He did have a fumble at the end, but just missed throws. And, you know, it, it just bring, brings me back to the run game. I mean, if the run game is not cooking and they know they can sit on Ritter and know that he has to make plays with his arm, it just makes things a lot easier for opposing defenses when they when they know that they're they're going to stop the run and they're going to have to throw the ball. That's uh, that's a huge advantage um, for defense. That was one of the concerns with this team coming into the season. And if they get behind, how are they going to react? They reacted well last week, but this week it was just uh, not happening at all. And I mean, it happened last week because they were playing from behind, but they were still able to run the football. You know, you obviously can't ground and pound the entire way when you're down by 12 in the fourth quarter, but they were able to get chunks of yardage on the ground and make things a little easier for Ritter. Um, so, yeah. It was uh, just a tough game all around. Um, I guess we can look ahead a little bit to next week with Jacksonville, who is an interesting game. Um, it is in London, 9.30 a.m. start, which, uh, you know, it's kind of tough on a Sunday morning, but we're, we're used to that as Falcons fans. They've played there before. Um, Jacksonville's had a really weird start to the season. They were AFC South favorites, and they got handled by the Houston Texans today. So I don't even know what to think about this game. I mean, you know, Jacksonville has some talent. They got old, we'll see old friend Calvin Ridley. Uh, maybe a revenge game for him. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he had s- some of the most hype of anybody coming into the season, and he has just not looked good at all. So, you know, what do you think about this uh, Jacksonville game coming up? Because it's kind of an interesting matchup. You know, two teams coming off really rough weeks. Yeah, super interesting matchup. Uh, Jaguars lose to the Texans today pretty handedly. Um, and then the week before, they lose to the Chiefs. Um, so, I, I don't, you know, their offense looks really shaky right now. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence looks pretty, pretty bad right now after, after going off in week one. So um, yeah, I, th- I think these are two teams that need to win this game and, you know, need mm-hmm. to prove, um, you know, that, that they're real. And, um, you know, I think this is going to be a big test for both games, but both teams need to win this game. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, Saints losing today, kind of, kind of a big deal. So yeah. Um, still sitting at the top. We, I know we have the Bucks tomorrow, but um, you know they got a really tough matchup. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're still sitting at the top. And uh, yeah, so nine thirty a.m. next Sunday in the Lunder game. So the Lunder. Yep. Be prepared. Um, set your alarms. Make sure you're up and watching. This is gonna be. This is gonna be a good game. I, I have a feeling it's gonna be close, and it's probably gonna be very low scoring. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, odds on uh, DraftKings now. Uh, Jaguars open up as uh, three-point favorites, so the Falcons will be underdogs again. And the over-under is 43, so I'd hammer that, hammer the under. They're in London. They're off the equilibrium in a new country. It's uh, It might be uh, – yeah, I mean, with the way the two offenses for these teams look today, it could be a real lunder. We could be looking at a 17-14 type of game, maybe even lower than that if things go – wrong but yeah definitely an interesting matchup i'm kind of excited to play against calvin ridley for some reason i think that'd be kind of it's just going to be interesting to see how he stacks up against us uh how stack up against terrell maybe akuda too see how the secondary can play him and uh yeah you're right both teams kind of need to win this game big game um for the jaguars is they're you know they're trying to win their division we're trying to win ours um, like you said the saints blowing a 17 nothing lead today was helpful uh, so shout out to the packers for that um, and yeah, the Bucks play tomorrow night uh, against the Eagles. 
So um, we'll see how that goes. Eagles are obviously very good. And um, maybe the Bucks can drop one to you and we'll stay tied at the top of the division. So, uh, yeah, you got any more Dirty Birds takes before we talk about the Braves and what they got going on? Nah, nah. I mean, pretty pretty ugly game today. It not was. Gonna lie. It was it was pretty bleak on the offensive side, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get it back together. Um, you know, tough 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 matchup next week against Jacksonville. I think we're pretty evenly matched. Um, but yeah, I mean, not not many really positives going on. It was uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty crappy game. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it's not the end of the world. I mean, this team was not going to go seventeen and zero. Um, and I mean, I think we even said this on the podcast where we were talking about the Packers game. Um, after we beat the Panthers, we were looking ahead to these, these two games and we were saying, hey, they'll probably split those. You know, that seems about right. And that's what they did. And uh, they're two and one. They're still in good shape. And, you know, there's definitely some things to work on offensively. And I'm sure Arthur Smith will do that. Ar- did you see Arthur Smith's quote after the game um, before we before we wrap up? He said, uh, Ritter gave us a chance. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> the play calling needs to be better. It, it, it's, it's yeah, he didn't cool. have a great day either. He didn't have a great day either. And, and I've criticized him the past two weeks as well. Um, the, the play calling needs to get, it needs to get better. He's, he's getting too, too cute sometimes. Um, you know, some questionable, uh, rushes on third downs. I mean, um, I don't know. Ritter needs to be comfortable and he doesn't look comfortable at all. So, um, you know, they, they need to be on the same page. Some things need to change. Um, you know, I don't know what it is, but they need, they need to work it out. Seriously. Yeah, they do. And, uh, Time will tell. Time will tell with Ritter in this offense. Uh, we got a long season ahead, so we will find out at some point if uh, this is going to work. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week with a uh, recap in that game. So now we will move on to the Braves. And uh, the Braves actually kind of had a rough week um, injury-wise as Max Freed and Charlie Morton are going to the IL. Um, but we'll talk about that later because we have to talk about Ronald Acuna Jr., Joining Man. the 4040 club, creating the 4050 club, and also creating the 4060 club on Friday night. Um, he really he really sums himself up well on uh I believe it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. He hit a couple of home runs against the Phillies to put him at 39. Um, and that was when things like it really it was like, oh, this is actually gonna happen. Um he had a leadoff home run and then he hit one later in the game to uh, put him at 39. And then um Friday night, leading off the game against Patrick Corbin. A lot of people were calling their shot because uh, Corbin versus Ronald Acuna is possibly the worst matchup in baseball. <laughs> one of the worst pitchers against one of the best hitters. And sure enough, to lead off the game, he takes him deep. And uh, it's his 40th home run. He was fired up about it. It was an absolute rocket, 160 miles an hour over the fence. Wasn't one of the majestic ones, but it was just an absolute laser. And uh just an awesome moment. Something that has been talked about with Acuna ever since he debuted of how he has this potential to go 40-40. And you know, this season is more than I think any of us could ever expect of, you know, he's going to go 40-70s, two steals away. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Ronald and just just what a season? It's an insane season. <laughs> yeah, what a season. Let, let's just take a second. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it uh, up. Yeah, claps for Ronald. Claps up, man. Just phenomenal. He's He's – He's rewriting the history books. Um, he's about to be 40, 70. I mean, no one has even, you know, sniffed that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's all about the bigger bases, man. It, that's 
credit to the bigger bases. Uh, that's the only reason. No, I'm just kidding. This is unbelievable. Um, it's history. I think, I think it is just unbelievable at this point. I mean, um, to be batting almost 340, 40 bombs, 70 steals. I mean, these are video game numbers. If, if you just go online and, and, and you look at his stats, this is, you know, up there with one of the greatest seasons ever. ever yeah, it is. Offensively, it's it's a joke what he's doing um, night in and night out. Just just the the day and night, like, uh, improvements. Um, you know, getting him back last year after the injury, the power wasn't there. He was hitting a lot of ground balls. And what does he do? He, he has career record in every statistic category. He's walking yeah. more. He's striking out only at 11% rate. Um, you know, he's, he, he almost has the same number of walks as he does strikeouts. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So um, just, just insane stuff um, up and down. I mean, what a year, what a year. Yeah. It is one of the most impressive seasons a baseball players ever had. I mean, I think uh, as far as the 40, 40 club, the guys that are in a bonds, Conseco, Soriano, and uh, I'm blanking on who the other one is. Alex Rodriguez. Um, I think Alfonso Soriano had the most steals um, coming in uh, before Acuna joined, and he had 46, and Acuna's got 68 right now. So it is pretty insane. Um, yeah, I, I think the most impressive thing of his season really is the walks and strikeouts. Like it just, it kind of seemed like Ronald was just going to be like a big strikeout guy. And that was okay because he was still hitting. Because in t- 2019, he set the franchise record for strikeouts with 188, and this year he has 80. That's uh, a. Yeah. 108 less. That's a, that's a lot less strikeouts and 78 walks too. It's insane. He leads the league in plate appearances, runs, hits, steals, OBP, OPS, OPS plus. He it's it's really just a crazy season. And uh, you know him doing with the leadoff homer was really cool too, as uh, that's one of his calling cards also. So yeah, we just, we just got to take a minute and just recognize how awesome a season this is. He's at eight WAR. He'll probably get a couple more war points before the season's over. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we all knew coming into this year that Ronald was going to be better than he was last year, and he just blew it out of the water. Like, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable season. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't say enough about that season. I mean, this is going to be talked out forever. Like I said, re- rewriting history books. Kids yeah. all over the world are going to be chasing that. I mean, it's 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 unreal. I mean, you got, you got, you got a guy that can bat 330. You know that that that's really cool and all, like Luis Arias, but but he's hitting forty bombs like uh like prime Alex Rodriguez and Pujols, like he's doing both. I mean, it's just and he's stealing bases like Ricky Henderson, and he's walking like Juan Soto this year. Like he's just he's an amalgamation of just like a bunch of bunch of awesome baseball players. It's really crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the perfect hybrid, um, and he's a cyborg, really. I mean, it's just you can go on and on, man. It, it, one one of the you know, most unbelievable players I've ever watched. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're finally seeing the five-star tool, Ronald Acuna. I mean, we, yeah. we've been seeing it, but but this is elevated. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, and he's 25 years old, too. So I was gonna, I was about to say when you said uh, we'll talk about the season forever, and I was like, we might not because he might just, like, have two or three more after this, and we'll just kind of bunch them all together. <laughs> so, yeah, he's – like most guys don't even enter their prime until they're 26, 27. He's 25. And he, I mean, I don't even, he might have a better season next year. It would not surprise me one bit. <laughs> so he's just, he's crazy. Um, 
yeah, had to had to just take a whole segment talk about him because um yeah, it is probably probably the in my lifetime the best season I've seen from a Braves player. I don't know who said a better one. I mean, I'm sure Chipper Jones was some pretty crazy ones when I was three years old, and Andrew Jones did too, but nothing like this. It's it's insane. So uh yeah. We can we can hop into the other things now going out the team. They actually just won their 100th game a couple of minutes ago. So they just beat the Nationals. They split a double hair today. They are 156 on the season. Pretty good. Pretty good there. Second straight year with 100 wins in a row. Um, you know, that's a that's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, this week results. I like we said last week. They don't matter a ton. It's cool they got to 100 wins. I think now uh, their magic number. Let me see what the Dodgers are doing. Their magic number to have the best record in baseball is down to uh, three. And the Dodgers are tied in the ninth inning with the Giants right now. So if that happens, it'll be down to two for the best record in the NL. So they're kind of locked in. They will have home field advantage probably in every series they play, um, including if they run into the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. So they're set up nicely, but they took two. I don't say they are big hits, but they um, it seems like everything's going to be fine with these two guys. Uh, One more than the other. We'll talk about the first one. Max Freed. Uh, we mentioned this last week. He got pushed back uh, to start against the Phillies instead of pitching in Miami last weekend because if he was forming a blister and um, he pitched very well on, uh, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday, whatever, whatever night he pitched or it was actually in Washington. Never mind. Friday night against the Nationals. He pitched very well. Um, but uh, after the game, they said that he had formed a bunch of fluid in that same blister spot that, and that they drained it kind of gross. But uh and Max didn't seem too worried about it. And then the next day they put him on the 15-day IL and said that he should be ready for the NLDS. Uh, 15 days from when he got put in the IL is the day before game one of the NLDS. So they will be able to put him on the roster um, and take him off the IL when that happens. So, yeah, this one is less concerning than the Charlie Martin one, which we're about to talk about. But still not great having to put your ace on the IL right before the playoffs. It isn't nothing too scary like an elbow or shoulder injury or like an oblique with Spencer Strider last year. It is just a finger blister, but it's not what you want necessarily, but I am, I'm not like too worried. It's definitely not ideal, but I'm not super worried about that. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Not ideal. Um, but, but it is manageable. Uh, Freed actually said that he is going to wear tape over the blister. So he's going to be throwing, um, he's, he's still going to be throwing. So, um, you know, He's going to stay loose and warm. I know this isn't ideal, but he will yeah. be fine. He'll be back. Um, and, and and really, hopefully, we don't really uh, have to rely on him too much. I know the NLDS is a short series, so you need to come out the gate swinging. Um, you know, hopefully he'll be ready. And, and, and yeah, hopefully he just continues to stay loose, um, you know, not not really throwing, wearing that blister out. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not too concerned as well. I just um, – you know, just another minor bump in the road. Yeah, it's been a weird year for Free. This is his third IL stint this year. But um, when he has pitched, he's been good. He's been really good. Um, 14 starts, a 2.55 ERA, striking out uh, over nine guys per nine, which is uh, he hadn't done that since 2019. So he's been striking uh, guys out more than ever, really, this year, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried. He's dealt with blisters his whole career, really. I remember him in the minor leagues even when the Braves were terrible and the, all the Miley guys were freaking out about his finger blisters. I know pitchers deal with this all the time, so I'm not too worried. Like he had a, he had the blister and got skipped over against the uh, Phillies and he came back and went six innings pitched one earned run. So 
I think we'll be fine. And Freed, she's never really had a problem pitching on a lot of rest either. So not ideal, um, but still, it is not the end of the world. Now, the more interesting injury that happened uh, was Charlie Morton. And uh, it seems that Morton is not going to pitch in the NLDS, which is not the end of the world, but it is definitely not ideal. The Braves will have to manage game three. I don't know who will start. Will it be Bryce Elder? Will they maybe bullpen it and maybe try to get some length out of Kyle Wright? Who knows? But uh, yeah, on Saturday, right after Freed goes on the IL, Morton only pitches one inning and comes out of the game with a finger discomfort, which I think nobody was really worried at the time. They said they would do an MRI on it, and I think everybody was just thinking the Braves are just being very precautious. But they put him on the IL, and since it's the 15th IL, the Braves have to have their NLDS roster submitted before Morton is eligible to come back. So the only way Charlie Morton can pitch in the NLDS is that if he injury replaces somebody else. So I don't know. Maybe they have a plan with that. If they might just fake an injury with like whatever reliever they're going to put on the team instead of Morton. But at that point, like, do you even need to put him on the IL? I don't know. But um, all the beat reporters are saying that it seems like Morton is not going to pitch in the NLDS. And uh, the hope is to have him back for the CS if they get there. So, yeah, this one is, you know, Charlie Morton's had a weird year. Uh, overall, he's been fine. He's got a three six four ERA. Like he's been good, and uh, he was the game three starter for sure. So that's not good, but um, it's uh, not the end of the world considering the Braves only need to use three pitchers in the NLDS anyway, and you really don't have you really don't have to scrap that game together. You can go Freed Strider games one and two, and then if you're out of game four and five, and go Freed Strider again. So you just have yeah. to manage one game and kind of patch things together. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Who do you think who do you think they're gonna start? Like how how much do you think this affects their chances? Like, what do you think? Yeah, that is the beauty of the NLDS. You do have a, a couple of days off. So Freed, um, you know, he will he, he will be able to go on game four. So yeah, you're really just looking at game three and you're circling that and you're you're really hoping that we already have a two two oh lead. Um, because that yeah. could be a super a super pivotal game, uh, depending on who we roll out there. I mean, I don't know, they could they could go a few directions. Um, you know, is Kyle Wright going to be ready? I, I don't know if I, if, if that is an option, I don't know if we trust him. Yeah. Um, you know, you asked me earlier in the year, like Kyle Wright. Yeah. He's probably game three starter, but, but right now I just don't know. Um, you know, they have, they have, I, you know, the, the, the most obvious option is Bryce Elder. I mean, yeah, um, he has performed, um, you know, kind of 50, 50 this year. Um, but, but I think you trust him enough. Uh, to roll them out there and and really hope to eat up some innings because I think going to bullpen game is not very smart, uh, especially if we're down, you know, in the series after game three and and you just blew up the bullpen. So um, yeah, I I think you definitely have to roll Elder out there. Um, but yeah, th- this is not good to have back to back nights where two of your top three starters go out. I mean, obviously freeze is not as serious, but um, you know Morton thought he broke his uh, his fingers so or dislocated mm. or fractured or something like that so um you know obviously he's in some discomfort and you know thankfully x-rays and all that stuff are negative so um but yeah I, you know i don't think he'll be there in lds um as reported today so um you know really really just hoping to rest up and and you know hopefully have him back in the, in the nlcs yeah i think the thought process there is that he's probably not going to be able to pitch like in the next week to at least just throw like Freed is going to do. And he'll probably be 
I guess doing like a sim game, like with some AAA guys, like during the DS just to get him right, like kind of like his rehab assignment. Um, and then you hope to have him back for the CS because they need him in the CS. Like you can't go, you have to have four starters in the NLCS and the World Series. So um, they need him. They need him uh, really bad. I mean, they have managed this before. In 2021, they only had three starting pitchers. It was Freed, Trey Morton, and Ian Anderson, which is kind of funny looking back on that. But Morton broke his leg in game one of the World Series, and they started Dylan Lee and Tucker Davidson, and the offense figured it out. And that this team definitely has the capabilities to overcome some uh, lackluster pitching if they have to put out some guys that they don't really want to pitch. So, yeah, it's uh, not the end of the world. Like I said, this team's strong suit is not pitching. They hit a lot. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, just speaking of Kyle Wright, in game with the double hair day, he did come out of the pen, three innings pitched, one run, two strikeouts. Um, he said he felt good, and he said that was the best he has felt since coming back from the IL. So maybe something to build on there. Maybe they just game three, they start Elder and uh, have him on a you know reasonably short leash. And then, you know, if Elder looks shaky in the second or third, maybe go to right then and have him eat up some innings in the middle of the game. Um, that might be the plan. And it all kind of just depends on where they're at in the series. If they're up 2-0, they might just say, "Hey, Elder, you're starting, and like you're, gonna, we're gonna let you go. Like, you, you we're not gonna have a super short leash. We're up two zero. We kind of can afford it, you know. If they're yeah. tied or God forbid down two nothing, there's gonna be a real sense of urgency, and they might go in a different direction. But uh, yeah, I think it's kind of dependent on the state of the series. I think the most interesting thing would be if it was tied, what they do, because you're just right in the middle. Um, I think you kind of got to treat that uh, the same way you would treat being down 0-2, I think just have that same sense of urgency. It's a playoff game." Um, but we will see. We'll probably talk a lot more about this next week when the season's over and, uh, you know, you can kind of line things up a little bit better. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's not ideal at all. Uh, Hurston Waltrip, though, made his first ever AAA start if they want to get real crazy, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think Wright probably gets a start before the end of the season. I mean, you know, he pitched yeah. today in the beginnings. So, you know, he, he could be pitching in uh, – you know, in Atlanta against the Nationals later this week. Um, you know, we'll just have to see how that kind of lines up with uh, everyone else's, uh, you know, positions. But, um, yeah, I mean, dude, we got five games until the playoffs. Like, we are yeah, we are it's, about it's to here. get it's here. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. We're, we're about to get into the thick of it. And uh, I'm so stoked. I just I just don't want any more injuries. We said this last week, just stay healthy. And, you know, we've lost two pitchers now. So um, I know Ronald got the night off tonight. Um, you know, just, yeah, just DH game one, too. So he pretty much had like a kind of a whole day off. Yeah. Yeah. So so just be be on the lookout, you know, just stay healthy. Um, you know, some guys are going to get some well-deserved days off. I know Olsen deserves a day. Riley, Albies, and like we saw Acuna, um, maybe get Harris off. Keep switching the catchers out. Just um, just just get to October get rested and uh yeah I'm, I'm ready to kick this thing off man i'm i'm freaking stoked um i know you are too and uh yeah i am it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride back-to-back years of, of, of 100 wins this one went you know way different i mean with the insane lead we had in the division um yeah things things feel good um i'm stoked man i'm freaking stoked Yep, we are less than two weeks. It was uh, two weeks from yesterday, so Saturday. It'll be a Saturday game. I hope it's a night game for game one. I pray, because um, a Saturday night night game for a playoff game in Atlanta would just be awesome no matter who they're playing. 
And um, yeah, just get there in one piece. I mean, like, like I was watching the end of uh, this second game of the doubleheader and Matt Olson tagged up from first and had like a really awkward slide. Like he's fine. But I'm just like, bro, we do not need to be doing that at all. <laughs> like chill out. So um, yeah, just, I think uh, you'll really see some funky lineups this week. Both the lineups today for the doubleheader were really funny. Uh, Forrest Wall got his first career start. We should shout him out. He had a home run tonight for his career homer and his first career start. So that's cool for him. He's going to be on the playoff team. He won't be hitting, but he will be running. So uh, shout out to him. And uh, yeah, you know, they got the Cubs and Nats to wrap things up. Um, big game for the Cubs. So uh, I don't know if the Braves really care about playing spoiler too much, um, but the Cubs kind of have to win every game as they have fell apart down the stretch here. So uh, yeah, and then next week against next week against the Nationals, um, playing them again. You know, give guys days off, work guys out of the pen you need to. Uh, Jesse Chavez came back. We should mention that he's looked pretty good. He's looked like Jesse Chavez. Uh, Nick Anderson is on a rehab assignment right now, so he, they might get him back on the team this week and see what he's got. See if he's in the playoff picture uh, for a roster spot. Also, McHugh is uh, doing rehab assignments, and I think he can just, he can just chill down there. He can just chill in the dugout for the playoffs. You can be in, you can be with the team, but you just gotta not be in the bullpen. Uh, he's had a bad year, but um, yeah, yeah. I guess just uh, stay healthy is my only thing. Don't do nothing crazy. No, go about seventy percent out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree, man. Just 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 get us there. Um, you know, I I know we'll definitely be t- talking about. The divisional series once once uh you know we we get the matchups confirmed um but yeah like you said cubs coming in town they're they're balls to the wall they, they, yeah it, it, winner go home for them so um yeah i don't know i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be fun um stress-free games like all last week was super enjoyable for me i mean i know we weren't winning and playing well but um yeah you don't have to stress about it too much you just you're just hoping everybody stays healthy um but yeah but yeah as soon as our as soon as our opponent is uh, confirmed. We will definitely hit everyone with a with a with a big overhaul of a, a preview series preview, best of five. So we need to come out the gate swinging. Uh, these these series are short, so um, you know you you definitely can't have a slow start and uh, expect to come back. So um, yeah, I, I'm super stoked. October is here. I know the weather's getting a little chilly. Um, so yeah, this is a, a great time of the year, man. It is. It absolutely is. And uh, yeah, just uh, just I, I am enjoying just the stress-free games. Watching these first two Nationals games, and they won both of them. It was just like, you know, no stakes, just watching some baseball, nothing too crazy. Uh, so that's fun to watch. And I'm kind of soaking that in because it's about to be the opposite of stress-free here in about two weeks. So, yeah. yeah. All right. We will now move on to uh, the final segment of this episode, and that is our Chuck Peterson's. And Vic Beasley's of the week. I got first dibs, and uh, we will do our Jock Peterson's first. And I I like to call this a layup for my Jock Peterson. It is Ronald Acuna Jr. We talked about him for a good five minutes earlier. He's my easy Jock of the week. 40, 40, 40, 50, 40, 60. We don't need, need to say much more about him. It's just Ronald Acuna. He's awesome. And, uh, yeah, a historical week for him as he is – putting uh, the final touches on what looks to be an MVP season as Mookie Betts has, per- has cooled off pretty considerably, honestly. Ever since that Dodgers series, it's kind of flipped. Acuna's been going crazy. Mookie has cooled down. Even Freddie has cooled down a little bit. I think there's been some chatter. Should Matt Olson finish second 
which I don't think that's going to happen, but he might get third. He might finish in front of Freddie, which that will be, that'll be funny if that happens. So uh, yeah, Ronda Cunha, an easy Jock Pearson of the week for me. And uh, yeah, who was your Jock of the week? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about yours. Easy 1-1, Acuna. Yeah, easy. First player in MLB history to have a 40 home run season and a 60 steal season at any point in their career. Yeah, I saw let that. Alone, <laughs> let alone in the same year. So just, I mean, he's 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 hitting for power. He's stealing bases like crazy. Um, yeah, we, t- we, we hit on it. You can't say enough about the guy. Um, yeah. I just had to throw that in there. Um, easy, easy Jock Peterson of the week. Jock Peterson of the year, really. <laughs> yeah. And one more thing on Acuna. Um, I do believe the Braves franchise record for steals is 71. I think Otis Nixon has that. Uh, he was the speedster from the early 90s. I'm going to make sure that he had 71. Uh, 72. In 1991, he had 72 steals. Acuna needs five more. So uh, he might get there. He he probably have to go a little bit nuts on the base pass to get there, but he might have the franchise steals record um, and 40 homers. And that season, Otis Nixon, he hit zero home runs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a, he was a run. He was a speedster batting average guy and Acuna might break his record and hit 40 home runs. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, that was my last name on Acuna. He he's awesome. He's Ron Acuna. Yeah. Yeah, great pick. Um, my Jock Peterson of the week is the Falcons' defense in the second half. There you um, go. They, they, they kept us in this game. Um, they only gave up 55 um, passing yards and 73 rushing yards in the second half. Um, they had four straight three and outs, and then they also had a Jesse Bates interception. So, um, you know, they really did their job. They gave the offense uh, – an opportunity to get back in the game and that just wasn't the case. So, um, you know, I, I think that was the, the one positive in, in, in the game today, um, was our defense specifically our second half defense. Yeah, they were, they were very good in the second half. I mean, they really did give them an opportunity to get back in this game. Unfortunately, the offense could not uh, do that. And that's a pretty good segue into my Vic Beasley of the week, which is Desmond Ritter <laughs> as he gets his first, uh, award of any kind jocker Vic tough that his first one was a Vic Beasley but um yeah he did not play good at all and um you know there's tons of questions around this guy and if you are a Desmond Ritter hater uh this was the game for you because he did he did not play well 5.3 yards per reception it's not good his QBR was 11.2 it's not good <laughs> so uh yeah he had a ch- he had a he had a real chance today to kind of solidify himself and um you know, kind of put himself on the map. If you like the Falcons, you have to win this game. If they, he would have played competently in the second half and made it even close, I think we would be a lot more optimistic on him on this podcast, but he did not even come close to even doing that. So, uh, yeah, no touchdowns on the week for him, only field goals. Um, and, uh, yeah, pretty easy for me to pick him as my Vic of the week. So, yeah, any thoughts on him before your, your recipient? Yeah. Yeah. I actually have Ritter as mine as well. Um, yeah, I, I probably I, I I figured I stole it from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, he deserved he deserved to be a Vic Beasley. Um, he he was he was bad. He was hitting. Um, you know, I know he was pressured a lot, but he 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 had some opportunities, and you know, thirty eight pass attempts, and you don't even break two hundred and twenty yards. I mean, come on, man, come on, man. That's just not good, not good at all. So, um, 
yeah, my, my, my Vic Beasley of the week actually relates very heavily um, to your pick. It is the Falcons offensive line. Um, yeah. yeah. Lions defense, um, you know, they're incredible. That that line is no joke, but uh, our line was bad today. Caleb McGarry, can, can, can we take that contract back? I mean, he was uh, – Yeah, he's been so inconsistent. I, I saw his face too much today. Um, <laughs> like like we like we say with AJ Terrell, when when they're putting the camera on him a lot, it's usually not a good sign. He's usually getting you know you know targeted a lot and mm-hmm. um, giving up guys, catches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I I saw too much of Caleb McGarry today. Um, I I don't like his hair. I don't like how he looks. So stop stop showing me him. Caleb um, McGarry's yeah. looks is my Vic Beasley of the week. Lions defense today had seven sacks. Seven pass breakups, eight QB hits, eleven tackles for loss, and they didn't give up a touchdown. Um, they held mm-hmm. us to forty-four rushing yards, and we didn't have a run longer than eleven yards today. Um, That's so just no never going to work. <laughs> no explosive plays, um, you know, and 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 Ritter was just running for his life all day long. So that is my Vic Beasley of the week. It's the whole line. Yeah, they did not have a good day at all. Um, McGarry, in particular, he was on the TV a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, he they weren't doing Ritter any favors, nor the run game. And uh, yeah, like Ritter has some responsibility here. The running game itself has some responsibility to take. But, you know, maybe the main culprit was the O-line. I mean, I know nothing was good today, but they might have been the worst. <laughs> so, um, you know, you don't really have a chance when you're giving up um, – just all that pressure. And uh, when you're trying to run the ball, like the Falcons have to do to succeed and you're flooded in the backfield immediately. So yeah, just kind of a, kind of just a really just bad overall cluster of an offensive game. Really every facet of the offense was bad line play calling receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. I guess the tight ends were good. John new and Kyle Pitts were combined for some decent stats, I guess that's it. <laughs> so you, we honestly could have just combined our VIX just to give it to the offense. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they win the weekly award. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, week to forget for the Falcons. Um, next week, I uh, yeah, the baseball season will be over. So we can talk about that, wrap things up with the regular season. Um, Jacksonville and Atlanta and London, we will be able to talk about that game and uh, see how that one went. That's a like we've said, it's a pretty interesting matchup there of two teams that should be hungry for a win. So, uh, yeah, you got any uh, any last thoughts before we get out of here? I do not. But for the entire week, I'm going to be talking like this because we it are playing. British, in it? It's pretty tea. stupid, in it? I got you up on 930 next week. I don't like that. <laughs> Fantasy F boys coming at you live. <laughs> Fantasy lords. <laughs> Yeah, uh, live from London next week. So be up bright and early. Get some coffee, if uh, if you're into that. Um, I know I will. I said this earlier. I'll probably wake up like nine twenty, nine twenty five. Roll over to my couch, throw it on, and uh, just try to stay awake. I guess because Sunday mornings are usually the time where I like to sleep a good bit, and I will not not get to do that next week. But uh, yeah, it is it is the Falcons' only prime time games. So we should soak it in. This will be the only time. All eyes are on the Falcons unless they get flexed or they're in the playoffs. So for the regular season, at least, this is probably the only time everyone will be talking about the Falcons at once. So be ready for that because if they lay an egg, there will probably be some uh, jokes flying around about the Falcons. So, uh, yeah, 
I think we covered it all. Um, we will be back next week with another episode. If you made it this far listening, we really, really appreciate it. And we will see you in the next one. Thank you.